Welcome to Creative Welly, episode 39. You're very welcome here. My name is DK, the founder and instigator of this little platform and little project where we have courageous conversations with bold humans. Big shout out right from the start to John O'Tucker, my video producer from there. He's over at Empire Films. Check him out. Does great work. And also David from Flashdog Studio. Thank you for allowing us to come in and utilize your studio. Really appreciate it. In this episode, we get to chat to two amazing humans again. We have Kristen Lundman, a serial entrepreneur who's done lots of groovy things in Wellington, and also Tim Pointer, founder of Rescue Metrics and CEO of another agency called Reason. Two very interesting, cool humans, and we chat around all their histories, their current processes, what COVID did to them, and also their future kind of pathways and ideas. So check us out at creativewelly.com for all the ways to subscribe or just continue to listen and enjoy. And the first question, just to get us rolling and then we'll get into what yeah. you do and what you're going to be when you grow up and stuff like that. What are your favorite names? Names of what? You can't use your kids' names, by the way. That's, that's cheats. Names of... Names, names, just names, names. Um, well, we named my boy Grayson, but when he was born, we named him Elias, and then, like, and I video of calling my son Elias, and then I was like, this isn't quite working for me, so we changed his name. Wow, that's But then we moved to New Zealand and heard the name Lockie, which I'd never heard before overseas, and I was like, that's a great name. So I asked my son, can we change your name to Lockie? He said no, but I think I'll, I'll go lucky. How old was he? When... Five. No, I mean... Come on, it's not like he has rights. Change the name, I don't remember yeah. anything. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's a great... Ki- I th- presumably Kiwi, maybe British. I don't know. Great name. I don't know. Great I've name. Never heard it, Lachlan. Mm. Cool. Lucky. Oh, Lachlan. Right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm. Lachlan. Even better with a... Yeah, Lachlan. Yeah. Uh, mine's Luca. Nice which my best mate and business partner actually stole that name for his <gasps> for kid. For their child. Oh, yes. no, he didn't. But did you leak it initially? No, I don't. Th- maybe. You must yeah, have. Yeah, we talk every day. So probably, yeah, he wrote like, it down. And he named his child Luca. And then yeah. now you can't be like, hey, can I? Yeah. I have to love him as well. So. Both <laughs> of them, actually. Him yeah. and his kid. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I always thought Thor was a great name before Marvel oh. right, kicked in. Okay. And I always thought in my head, if I'm going to have a kid, I've never met a Thor. I just like to introduce a kid as Thor, right? <laughs> like now it wouldn't work, but back then it would be kind. Because people were like, seriously? Yeah. Yeah, like a god. I've named him a god. To be fair, it's a bit like Gary. Like imagine if you're like <laughs> Gary. <laughs> yeah, you don't mean many Garys. You're right, there's babies. I feel like there's more expectation on a Thor than a Gary. I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did want a so dog for yeah. years. Like we're outside patting in yes, me, yeah. and I've always wanted a dog, yes. and I've never had one, one day when I settled down. And I've always wanted a dog called Dave, because again, you never yeah. meet dogs called Gary or yeah, Dave. Dave. And I like just shouting Dave in a park and yeah. a dog running around. <laughs> you know, I like that idea. Uh, Random. Okay, good. Thor and Dave. Thor and Dave, those things, and Luca. Lucas? Luca. 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 Yeah, yeah, Luca. Mm. Yeah. And what was your saying? Lockie. 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 Uh-huh. Lachlan. Right. I'm, I'm half Italian, so there's like a bit of a yes, uh, Italian vibe. Of course. Yes. Are you half Italian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Middle name's Ricardo, so it's like legit. <laughs> Got to be. Because that, yeah. you know, that's how you Ricardo, tell. anything yeah, with yeah. an O on the end. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, which, part, uh, which part of your family is half then? Uh, mother's side. Mother's and side. Northern, yes. if, you, if you were asking. Okay, like, yes. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, okay. Do you go back to Italy? Have you been back there? Yeah, we went back this trip. You did but recently? On my New Zealand passport. Because last time when I travelled on the Italian passport, on the way in, they see like place of birth, Porirua, <laughs> New Zealand. <laughs> and then they're like, trying to ask you where that is and then speak to you in Italian. And when you don't speak Italian very oh, well right. and you blank them, they're like, why do you have this passport? <laughs> do you, you travel with both passports though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I, we made a case. bit of a mistake this last trip to Canada. We didn't travel on Canadian passports, so they didn't mistake? let us in. You oh, have to travel oh. into Canada with your Canadian passport. And if here we Canadian. are. Yeah, we're Canadian. Yeah, but I mean, they, they would not allow you in. They didn't let us in. They didn't let us board the flight in Honolulu. They would not let us board the flight. And I was like, okay. So we scrambled around a little bit, did a bunch of sleuthing and found out if we figured out a way to enter by sea, like a little bit, uh, little bit stealth, we possibly could get in. Okay. So we did, we flew to Seattle and took a boat into Canada. Yep. Wow. Yeah. But I'm still trying to get my head around why they won't allow you exactly. in. No idea. A, I don't is even... it because you're Canadian, you have to travel on a Canadian passport yeah. if you're Canadian? Yes, Who Even knew? though you might have dual Who citizenship. Knew? Yes. We're all, <laughs> we're traveling our Kiwi passports and we were like, oh, okay. How long have you been here now? Um, 11 years so mm, it's possibly right. something that has come in and we've traveled to Canada before I don't remember what happened but this time it was like no go zone um, so we had a bit of an adventure wow nonetheless yeah, and you actually got in we got this in boat. we right. got in yeah. we were just told the kids were like don't speak just shove your mm. kiwi passports <laughs> we're like don't speak because we know it does sound kiwi Straight away, yeah. yeah 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 so anyway that wow. was a bit of a um, nuisance but now we know for next time mm. so but you travel with both paths passports mm. i thought that was a dodgy thing to do yeah I, you know yeah, like whipping them out yeah like you're but, some sort of spy yeah <laughs> what do you do do you travel i went back on my kiwi passport recently because i got told quite interestingly <sighs> if you are traveling internationally and if there is any kind of issues when you travel it's a strong and one. i don't mean like not being allowed in i mean like any covid situations again yeah and you have to be repatriated back mm. into a country, they only accept the, the passport you travel in on. So if I had traveled on my British passport and yeah. I tried to get back to Kiwiland, they'd be like, no, you, you entered as a British national. You, they, they own you, in a so sense. It's very, yeah, confusing. Right. Back. it's very confusing. So that's where I guess okay. someone suggested travel on your Kiwi Travel on the passport you're coming back to. Yeah. That's what I thought. And, and from me, where yeah. we're from. And mm. Canada, they yeah. thought they were always Canada, nice. come there. on. Canada. <laughs> Come on. No, but like, what were they thinking? I know. They anyway. Didn't. Anyway. So let's talk about what you do for a living and be boring and cool and hip. Yeah, go how, on how would, you how would you do the elevator pitch when someone meets you? How would you describe what you do? Uh, I used to say, are we going to swear on this thing? Yes. Yeah, great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we unfuck the advertising industry. Lovely. So that's my opener. And mm -hmm. hopefully people say... What's that? As opposed to, yeah. well, okay, nice to meet you, then walk off. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we have a digital advertising agency called Reason, um, recently rebranded from Uprise. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, team of 50 across Wellington and Auckland um, work in the digital media creative space. Um, and that's kind of most of the, 
most of the job um, yeah. that I do, and also have a, another business called uh, Rescue Metrics, which is a tech startup uh, which tries to help marketers with all of the data loss issues that they're facing at the moment mm. due to a bunch of different things. Apple stirring the pot with some changes they made recently. And yeah, I heard. Yeah, kind of affecting marketing teams and their flow of data, which is a real issue. Um, so yeah, kind of limiting the cookie window to 24 hours, which is a nightmare situation. Yeah. New user comes back, they look like a brand new visitor. Yeah. So yeah, ah. that's kind of the technology that we've built and bringing to market and trying to scale it globally. So wait, did you build that because of Apple and this thing? Yeah, 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 ah. out of our agency. So we were essentially yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, measuring stuff on our client's behalf. And then and you were just, like, this isn't, this is, and yeah. then you're like, hey, wait, we can scale this. That's right, yeah. Lots of questions. Yeah. Great. Carry on. <laughs> Carry on, we can yeah. go down this good because um, I'm unemployed, so I don't have a lot to talk about. Um, but um, Recently yeah. unemployed, Lamont. Yeah, yeah. But, but so the Apple thing came out and you were like, oh, we've got to build something internally and then, and then figured a way. Yeah, if you're using it, everyone should use it. Mm. Yeah. So, so why the, did they do that? So they, they made some changes around how third-party um, tracking was, a, was able to measure and take data um, off websites. So a user comes to the website, this third party thing goes, oh, we'll take all their information and maybe potentially sell it on another website. Mm. And Apple were like, that's kind of bullshit, let's stop that. And everyone was in favor of so that. So wait, they don't, because they didn't want third parties to sell your Any user information without them You know knowing. about this too? Mm. Oh. Well, I'm a big privacy advocate, so I was a big fan of Okay, the okay, so it's take, that, the take back the data, it's a good yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah, so that was great. Everyone was on board with that, yeah, and yeah, yeah. there was no real restriction around that type of thing, so everyone yeah. was great. Then they said, we're actually going to change how we deal with first-party cookie information, which is like Google Analytics and mm. the kind of tracking that marketers um, use for figuring out how websites are working. And they reduced that window to a 30-day window just because they can dictate it because they're the browser. So like, we're just going to clear our, all the users using Safari, we're just going to clear their cookies every, 20, uh, every um, 30 days. And that kind of was an issue for clients that had like a long window where it was like, you know, if the buying cycle was 60 days, yeah. you wouldn't see the start of it. You got, and how many times and what they do. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh. And, and they did it even if users consented to their data being shared, which was the issue we had. So a user actually goes to the website and says, nope, I'm quite happy, I trust this website, but Apple have gone, nope, we just sort of disregard your preference and we'll just clear yeah. the cookies anyway. Okay. And then they move that from 30 days to two weeks to 24 hours. So the window just got shorter and shorter and shorter. So essentially all iOS users or Safari users, they're kind of on the web, there's no, marketers can't really actually figure out how to, um, you know, properly engage with them or anything like that. Got it. So it's turned into a bit of So you just adding, you somehow have to figure out from one month to the next and do some matching. Uh, so we, our technology sets that information from the client server. So if you do that, Apple goes, well, if you're the brand trying to ask for it, that's fine. If it's from the server, it's like quite oh, technical. So they're oh. kind of going, if you're doing it from there, you can actually, because you know what you're doing with it. Oh. They just don't want like a third party kind of getting in there and, and uh, messing oh. it up. So yeah, we'll just mm. use that um, uh, essentially gateway to figure out mm. how to, yeah, kind of get that data back to the right place. But it kind of comes back to your statement, what you used to describe yourself as is unfucking the advertising business. Mm. Some would say that what they've done here, Apple, and Safari users and iOS is mm. unfuck the, the kind of messed up tracking systems mm. that have now been embedded into every browser and everything, like the Facebook Pixel and all these other things. Mm. So a lot of them are hidden. A lot of them, you don't know what they're doing and scraping. Mm. A lot of them create ghost account for you and 
hmm. try to gather too much of your data and things oh, like yeah. that. So it's kind of readdressing. Okay. Now they've gone the other way with it, yeah. but it is also a readdressing of what's historically been a, a slippery slope down into the, the lowest common denominator. It was just suck as much information as possible and fragment it as much as possible and sell it on as much mm. as possible. Yeah, right. So the data is the new oil thing. Or yeah, the, of course. You know, we become the product mm. rather than the service and all that other thing. So do you see it that it's it's been a battle to readdress some of that? Yeah. Equally a challenge as well for your industry. Definitely, yeah. And yeah. We, we knew there had to be like a correction made and, yeah. and all people that were like advocates of good marketing knew that that correction had to happen because you yeah. sort of doing things properly is actually mm. generate better results anyway yeah. um but they kind of really course corrected too far mm. um but one of the reasons they kind of did it is they also have no horse in the game for like the advertising industry and they yeah, make most yeah, of the yeah. money but, not yeah. through advertising yeah. so yeah. who are affected and we see this now with like facebook's um shares absolutely tanking their mm -hmm. quarter on quarter earnings are the down YouTube's. and down yeah. and down yeah. um Alphabet. is yeah, yeah so they use those um, kind of methods um especially facebook and so they're getting affected uh, quite badly by these changes um, but then this kind of small business is caught in the middle because they're still going well we want to advertise and see if it's effective yeah and like we've got customers who kind of want to you know use our um, products or services or whatever so how mm -hmm. do we make this work mm -hmm. so we've, yeah exactly yeah and, and so we've built it in a um, consent first way so it's, it's only consented data mm -hmm. that we can do this for um, as, yeah, as opposed to we think the user should decide rather than Apple or any other kind of technology yeah. that's yeah, getting right. in the way which some people do oh. very well if you go to Guardian and they throw up and quite detailed in detail, sorry, describe where the cookies are mm. and who advertises you can unsubscribe from certain things and stuff. Oh my goodness, totally. who reads that though? Yeah, it's such a nuisance. It feels so. It feels. I click you in. Yeah, yeah, it. I you click in. It. I'm like, oh, fascinating. But they also I'm have like, plugins. It's, it's a very stop. disruptive customer experience. Yes. It's annoying. I agree. It's an, and there's got to be something better coming. Yeah. Well, that's what Safari's trying, or sorry, Apple is trying to put forward is like, no, advertising is kind of a, a model that's kind of old school now and it's gone too far. Yeah. And I like the idea of unfucking the advertising model because advertising is not evil. It's just gone and permeated and disrupted so much of the viewing experience for you and I. Mm. And it's slowed down so many things and it's mm. uh, kind of made us the, the source rather yeah. than us the user. You know, and they're trying yeah. to extract. It's an extraction methodology yeah, from me. Not to say advertising is evil. Like evil, sorry. Like you say, there's a lot of people in the advertising and marketing industry who's gone. Yeah, it's mm. gone a little bit silly. Mm. No, mm. but it is weird to look at the extreme of Apple. Mm. So rescue metrics was a reaction and an offer to the market to go. Mm. Okay, here's something you mm. can do based on what they've done. Yeah, that's to pull right. back so a little you, bit of control. New? When did you? Uh, about two years old. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, so it took us about a year to actually figure out how to scale it. So we yeah. built it for one customer and we were like, oh, that's great. But it was like everything's so unique and encrypted and special for that customer. It's like, how do you right. spin yeah, that up yeah, for yeah, like yeah. thousands, if not, you know, kind of tens yeah. of thousands. So we spent a year figuring out how to scale it. Yeah. And um, yeah, pretty much early this year we um, got there. And so now we're just cranking it up globally. And, great. Yeah. So, so how, sorry. Um, 
No, I was going to ask about scale. Were you going to ask about no, scale? No, I wasn't. Damn. I'm curious, but wait, let's, um, let's, let's do that. I am curious how you split your day. How do you mm. run two companies? That's a good question. What's, yeah, your, what's question. a day? Yeah, so fortunately, the Reason business, that's been going 13 years. We've yes. got an incredible leadership team um, of about 11, um, yes. and they are just like legendary. So You've been able to. Yeah, yeah, and just kind of giving people proper accountability and all that stuff, which took us like a long time to get there. Um, mm. It took us about two and a half years to get like a really well-functioning leadership team. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm sort of inputting on kind of strategy and direction, um, and then the rest of the time is trying to scale this yeah, SaaS good. business, which is a different hat altogether and mm. wildly challenging and completely different to services mm. and, and everything like that. But um, yeah, that's kind of a split of, of time. And cool. I have an EA who's amazing as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like support people to make sure I'm yeah, on yeah. time to things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Well, in terms of scale, I wanted to ask uh, around what's the scale of the businesses at the moment and who do you serve, like how many customers and, and stuff like that? Yeah, so Rescue Metrics still early days. We're about yep. seven people, got around roughly about 100 customers or so. Um, yeah, about half of those are international, so that's kind of our big market that we're trying mm. to um, reach. Actually, the UK trip, we've just hired someone in the UK, which yep. is awesome in London. Oh, congrats. Um, yeah, thanks. And just trying to get them to kind of lead a market. Um, and then the reason business, obviously a bit bigger, um, 50-odd people. We've got about 42 customers there, okay. uh, but mainly New Zealand uh, customers. Ah, oh, so um, you can, well, I mean, assume you can piggyback and sell rescue metrics, but that's not scale. I mean, that's yeah. just an added benefit, and so you've really got to... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, yeah. it's a great kind of testing ground. Of course. Um, but yeah. obviously, like, the easiest customers to yeah, sell to. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah, the ones yeah, you've yeah. already got who yeah, trust you and stuff. Yeah, but that's great. Yeah, so that yeah. was kind of the challenge of how do we actually make a value prop that other yeah. businesses get. Um, and also is like a burning platform, because it's one of these things that we're like... Because it's like a three, free trial, right? Just give it a go, see what happens. Oh, right, yeah. And people go, yeah, 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 this all kind of makes sense. And then it's, this almost sounds too good to be true. And we're like, oh, we, we thought that was a good thing to hear. <laughs> but <laughs> then it's like, there's just no motivation at that yeah. point. We're, we're just trying to figure out how we actually accelerate the kind of burning platform. Because it's for marketers, this problem, like it's death by a thousand cuts over the last two years. It's been yeah. a little change, little change, little change. And most marketers are like, ah, the reports are just 20% wrong and we're kind of happy with that. Yeah. And we're going, right, like, okay. let's make them like 100% accurate and let's <laughs> start there. Yeah. So that's kind of our challenge is how do we kind of get that message across in a way that gets people excited about it. Yeah, well, free, freemium is a funny one, eh? Like, there's been a lot of debate in that SaaS space um, mm. about that model. And often you can just never roll people off freemium onto paid. Mm. Um, once freemium, exactly, always yeah. a freemium. And they're just slightly, slightly different, eh? Because mm. of that um, either too good to be true or not yeah. really valuing the service you're providing. I've always found timed freemium is a good way. Yes. We'll give you a seven day go. Most are like that, eh? Yeah, now, but they never used to be. It was like freemium. So you get two accounts and that's fine, you know, but the step up is what we really want you and you can have more access to a range of features or services and stuff. And people just go, no, I can get along with this. I don't want to step up. Versus, oh, I've only got a window to see if it fits for me to pay. That's right. It's a very different mentality. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And that was always a good transition I've seen of Mm. late. It's a good problem to have in terms yeah. of you're already in two years in proper launch only recently having that amount of customers and half being overseas. Yeah, that's it's great. kind of already a metric we're going to clap about. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of work to do, but we're, no. we're kind of yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're getting there. That. We're getting there. Yeah. yeah.
Mm. There's more to talk about that, but let's talk about you in terms of yes. what, how, do you, how do you tell people what you're up to? At the um, Apart from I, being fun employed. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm fun employed, but that I feel like I'm really busy. So then I'm like, I don't think I'm, I'm unemployed. Okay. Um, I did have a trip to Canada, mm-hmm. almost a failed one, but anyway, I did get in and um, that was cool. But since being back, um, I, uh, my husband calls me a philanthropist. <laughs> <laughs> and then I seem to just be helping a lot of people, nice. um, which you spread, but then you end up spreading yourself too thin. Um, yeah. and, and there's pro- possibly, because I do love helping startups, and I think um, that is uh, really, uh, it's really fun and it's rewarding, and um, yeah, it, it's great. But it um, possibly, I got too busy in that space and has kept me from kind of thinking about the next thing a little bit. Right. So how would I um, describe myself? Um, pr- possibly, um, I-, I feel really comfortable with um, founder. I think anyone who's kind of started something from nothing, yeah. um, that's a title you can own, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a very new director. And so I've, I always wanted to kind of dip my toe in that space and what that might la- that be like. And so um, just on a new board and then, um, I want to start something else. So I guess that fits with the founder thing. Totally. A little bit. Yeah. So we're looking at um, something new right now with my co-founder of Hatch, Natalie Ferguson. She's amazing. And um, we had a real desire to do something again together, Mm -hmm. um, which is why we left Hatch together. And so we've kind of gone down a few rabbit holes, but we think we found something that really fits. Um, okay. Yeah. In the fintech space? Or no, not in the fintech space. Okay. I know. And that was a real challenge for us because it's a space that we really care about and yeah. financial literacy and wellness. And there's still so many problems to be served, um, solved in that area. But um, New Zealand scale. So this is something like SaaS, amazing businesses, but you mm. can't do, um, I shouldn't say you can't do SaaS with fintech, but it's very hard. And the reason um, being is regulatory and compliance obligations. Like you can't so just bad. launch a product from New Zealand into the UK. Mm. Um, you actually have to kind of embed an entire team and regulatory obligations, and you probably have to, have to subscribe to their um, you know, financial services acts and have all sorts of stuff set up. So um, yes. there are a number of times doing Hatch where we were like, we should have just done dog food. <laughs> we called it Hatch because this was so, like, why did we start a fintech business? Because um, with SaaS, I think if you get it right, um, there's um, you know a clear direct line to profitability. It's mm. just a matter of filling the top of the funnel and, and getting custom and getting your business model right. Lots of other things too, of course. But um, with fintech, it's like seven years longer to hit right. break even because a third of your costs, roughly, I'm pulling that out, are um, compliance and regulatory costs. So uh, lawyers, and lawyers, yeah. and risk and compliance. But and for those who don't know, from a perspective, you've mentioned it a couple of times. Hatch. What is what is Hatch? Hatch, Hatch um, is an investing platform. So mm-hmm. the mission that we we started and and delivered was helping Kiwis to build meaningful wealth. So um, you know how can we let Kiwis access world class investing opportunities? And um, you know we did that. But you note the term um, Kiwi or Kiwis in the mm. title. And that's again, because of that lack of ability to kind of just launch a solution tomorrow in whatever country. Yeah. Um, so while it was, um, while we did kind of think about what might we do um, in the FinTech space, every time we looked at something, it's not something that can easily scale. Um, and, or if you want to scale, it's probably already being done in countries that have far more pain. Mm. 
like the UK, like the US, mm. these are um, economies that had, um, d uh, you know, after the GFC, ruptured huge um, um, kind of trust in their institutions mm. and their banking, and they were pretty broken at the time. And yeah. that was the entry that fintechs needed, kind of that fintech 1.0, mm -hmm. who are all whom are all unicorns now. Um, but that gave them an opportunity to kind of come in and say, "You're not being well served by these people. They've ripped you off. They've taken your parents' homes. Your, um, you know, they've terrible customer experience. You're still writing checks. Like there's so much brokenness that um, we can just come in, launch an okay solution, and it takes off." like wildfire. Yeah. Whereas in New Zealand, we never had that problem during the GFC. Right. And in Canada, actually, like our financial institutions, we trust them. We don't wake up and think they're going to lose our money, you know, and our, right? Well, that's interesting because before yeah. Hatch, you were Kiwi Wealth, right? Yeah. Which was a subsidiary of Kiwi Bank? Yes. Or an offshoot yeah. or yeah, whatever? Yeah, that's right. I don't know yeah. how you would describe it. Yeah, yeah, sister company. Sister, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Which had that reputational back in. Yeah. Like Kiwi Bank yes. still has yeah. a reputation of trust and yeah. ownership of yeah. understanding about and, and the market share as still well. Still a bank though. Still yeah. holding money. Um, they just happened to be partially owned by the government at that time. That that uh, and now they're wholly owned, you know, That's by right. the government. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've heard of that. Mm -hmm. So mixed reaction I noticed on um, but I think it's great. I think it's really cool that there are organizations that are willing to battle it out with these big Aussie competitors and keep money and jobs and everything in New Zealand and totally. and profits flowing back in. So yay, um, to them. But I think um, when we look at like our, we were one of the first in New Zealand to get FPOS. And when you are out um, having dinner and you, and you need to split your money or send someone money, mm. like what do you do? Bank, still bank accounts? Mm. Do you guys do bank accounts? <laughs> you do, right? Yeah, it's not that. that bad. It's not that yeah. painful. Sorry to say, but it's not. Mm. Like, whereas in the US, it's, it's really hard and yeah. they're still writing checks. And so someone just comes up with one little app to fix like that problem. Mm. Venmo takes off. WhatsApp. Now, someone mm. trying to do that here is going to have a much tougher time because we don't feel the pain. We trust our banks to hold our money. Gotcha. Um, and, and where you get opportunity is when customers are really unhappy, they're scared, um, they've been burned in the past, and that's where you come in. Right. Um, but we have pretty, we don't have a terribly painful solution no. um, situation in New Zealand. So, all to say that limits opportunity in New Zealand to do really cool stuff in mm. fintech um, and then so you look overseas and because they're they were so broken since the GFC it's already likely competitors are in a series A B C solution and like that's not a fun place to be when you're trying to enter into market was with huge competitors from outside so, as well from outside in, in a there. highly regulate, regula regulated environment mm. where customer demands and needs might be a little bit different than what we have here. Mm. Um, so yeah, we, we kind of are just backing off the fintech at the moment, sadly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why did you leave Hatch? Uh, Why did you both go, okay, after four years, Yeah. you were like, yeah, we founded it, we got it up and running. Uh, so, and there's so much left to do, but I think when you, um, so we were acquired and got into FNZ, mm -hmm. um, and I think a um, couple things, your focus ends up changing, or at least the leadership team, into kind of um, like the outward world and like growth, and you kind of get into a... Um, the rest of the team is still focused on that, but the leadership team ends up focusing on how do I navigate this world? 
you know, like this big, incredible corporate, which is a $20 billion business and has layers and layers and layers when of people. When you say FNZ, what's that? They're the ones that acquired Hatch. Yeah, so, so, who, so that was cool. It's like, just another company? Big, you know, it's right. New Zealand um, based, one of Wellington's quiet success story and that they just right. quietly built this thing up. They went straight to the UK. They're now taking over the state. So they've got huge foothold in Europe. They've gone really well, incredible. And now in an acquisition phase, as mm. companies do get to a point. So Hatch really worked well with that kind of B2C um, opportunity they wanted to get into, largely gotcha. B2B um, business to business um, platform. but. Um, so then what happens is you end up navigating like a much more hierarchical co um, uh, corporate world, which mm -hmm. is, um, it's just a thing. It's just you end up back in that environment. And I think it was, um, yeah, I just was like, nah, but we want to start something else. This team has kind of got that. And there's yeah. probably people better suited to navigating that world. Mm. I like left that world, you yeah, know? Right, right, right. <laughs> and did they, did they try so, and kind of keep the magic of the startup yes, yeah, world? Yes, they did, they you did. Hear that, but you? then you end up in lots of different board meetings, like right. this this board meeting and that global board meeting. And I'm like, I just want to be out doing the like song and the dance yeah, right. and then like talking to the, you know, yeah. like I don't, ah, so um, yeah, and, and then so like there's that thing. And then there's this perfect storm of the economy, um, you know, signals of, of this kind of really interesting time. And I'm like, that's the time to start something new, mm. which is totally contrary to what um, everyone must think. But what are your thoughts? I agree with you in terms yeah. of when there's a storm, you know, it's going to break and there's going to be sunlight at some point, but within the storm as well, things get moved around. That. And things are changed and yeah. it's dynamic yes. and it's variable. And, and mm. within that, if you are fluid yourself, not to get all zen, but you know, you should get a little bit like, uh, was it? Um, it's bamboo, right? You, you've yeah. got to sway with it, but you never break, but go with it. Otherwise, you will be broken by it. And I think you're right. There's, there's things coming um, from a financial perspective globally. Yeah. And maybe at the moment, we're seeing a lot of divisiveness politically across the thing. Mm. And people are hungry just to get back into communities of, of good, solid, you know, yeah. positive communities yeah. that are building yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Like I was chatting to Jono before we started recording and stuff about... I find myself in a position of being really hungry, hungry to collaborate and build mm. for the first time in 10 years, mm. like really hungry to build. Like, and I don't know what it, that means, right? Mm. But like you, you're spotting, oh, there's, this is an interesting time, even though it's quite a dangerous time for a lot of things. Uh, it is, it is. It's, an, un, it's an unsettling of, time. That's a good way it's to It's an unsettling it. time, but I think um, Nat and I had been talking about it for some months as we were navigating. We knew Hatch was in a great place. We'd built this incredible team. And then all these signs pointed to change. And right. um, Nat and I are really great at, um, I suppose, just navigating change and mm. being really open to it. And if you look at some of the most successful startups today, they all came out of the GFC. Mm. And that you quite often find, because your value, you have to be a little bit more gritty, a little bit more lean. Um, there's things like, um, Peop, uh, in terms of team, um, team tends to be okay mm. to come by. Everyone's not competing over the same same people. You've got great talent that's coming onto the market, um, sadly because of cutbacks, but also gives a great opportunity when you're looking for exceptional people. Mm. They will be coming out of these incredible businesses and you can take advantage of that mm. cheaper marketing, advertising, because fewer people, people are tightening their belts. Um, and I just think opportunities come up where it gets you really focused on 
must-haves over nice-to-haves. And it's so nice okay. starting something yeah. in a non-frothy market. Like it's like, we're just gonna build a sensible, mm. sustainable business. Not, and not to say Hatch was started in frothy, I'm not suggesting that, but I'm like, this no, is mean. the time. Yeah. So interesting. I'd love to get both your takes on what's happening in the world of work from a perspective of what COVID has had an impact on. Mm. And talking to some of my HR friends, they're saying, you know, in the next couple of years, this is an employee's market because the workforce has been drained. People are sticking their hand up mm. going, I don't want a proper job for a, you know, and COVID actually made me realize I like my kids and I want to hang around with them a little bit more. So I don't want like a proper nine to five thing. I want someone that's fluid. And obviously organizations have been reactive to that, mainly in the positive. A lot of people are understanding, okay, yeah, we've got to give a lot more rope now to employees. So they do have a lot more fluidity in their, in their roles and projects. But the HR peeps that I know are saying, no, what, employees are struggling with is finding skill matches. You know, they, they're struggling in finding the, the right skills and the right generalists. Like mm. Specialisms are easy to find. It's the generalists that kind of navigate and translate across different boundaries mm. because they, they are much more fluid and they're much more entrepreneurial. So mm. they'll be exploring their own thing and being a solopreneur or whatever they're going to be doing mm. versus working for us, which we can leverage that type of skill set. Yeah. Are you seeing that? Are you getting a sense of that as an employer, as someone who's fun employed at the moment? Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like the, there's definitely been a change in terms of how people want to work. I think mm. we've yeah. seen that quite a bit. Um, but we also, like, we really try and keep our people, like, fully engaged as right. well because I think there's this kind of risk that you hear. It's like, oh, well, people are working from home more and there's this quiet quitting thing if you heard mm. this sort of yeah. phenomenon. Yeah. I just think that that's kind of, well, it might be a thing, but I think thinking about it negatively, it's like, well, have, obviously employees aren't engaged. If they're sitting there going, I'm going to do the minimum possible and then just check in, check out. Mm. And so what we've tried to do is get people really engaged with the business so they kind of become entrepreneurs themselves. Yeah. So we've split our business into like different units and then there's like leaders of each of those units and they run their own P&Ls. So okay. the team can kind of come up with ideas on, mm. you know, how to grow and do whatever. Like an entrepreneurship. Yeah, definitely. And then we've got like a way of growing at Reason where if you want, uh, you don't have to manage people to get more money or a promotion. It's like people who are great at managing people should manage people, not just because (laughs) it's like, here's the next step for you. And it's like, well, I actually don't want that. It's like, if you want like, you know, if you want to grow a product, great, put your hand up and we'll do the business case. And we'll actually take you through the process of how to do a business case, like you were going to start your own little thing and kind of really try and encourage people and help people down that path and it's like why don't we just kind of create this thing where people get what they need from doing mm. something like that in a safer environment mm. and in a way that they get remunerated as well if it works so a whole company's on like a um, effectively like a profit um, share so if we hit a certain number we distribute 15 percent of our profit to the team so they, they are genuinely like they're yeah, actually great. in the tent and mm. we've found the engagement with that has been really great people understand where their role is in the company like mm. how our company actually makes money and how i can kind of help the business to get to where we're trying to get to so we've tried to create all these things to kind of keep people fully engaged and you know help them achieve what they're trying to achieve as well but what you're describing mm. is I'm going to put, go out on a limb and say it's quite unique, or, or at least not pop, uh, not everywhere, shall we say. Yeah, yeah, no. You know, think... you, you're quite an outlier in that regards. I don't, what are you saying? I'm saying that that model 
It's well, not commonplace. Should we call out? So, like, what? Are, uh, who are you, you hanging out with these days? I'm just, it's obvious if you talk and look at certain institutions. Definitely. Or, or look at all the screeds of um, chatter on LinkedIn or whatever. There's yeah? that as well, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So there's something to be said about being a little bit more, what, what you're designing there is not just ownership in terms of like ownership of your individual kind of, I suppose, future direction and then mm-hmm. work and workspace and stuff like that. But there's a share in the product, profits, there's transparency, yeah. there's trust, there's a high level of trust involved mm. in yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And also reversing that celebration of, of individuals and activities yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which again, yeah. most institutions aren't built like that. There's a cultural dynamic that you've introduced there, which is not unique, but it's certainly not commonplace. No, but I mean, we were forced into it for a couple of years. And if we haven't adapted by now, it's quite strange, isn't it? Like yeah. my my assumption based on, um, you know, profitability and, and generally the, you know, wider economy is that we had incredible outcomes as businesses during that period. Mm. Huge amount of productivity. And I know for us, our productivity went up, um, you know, the minute everybody started working from home. Now that said, coming out of COVID, there, that can tend to wane, particularly for those that don't want to work from home. Like we mm. recognize we're all in this together and, you know, we're going to yeah. smash things. So you get fatigue and you have to manage for burnout and everything. But I think, um, oh, I just so embrace the future of work and, and tomorrow and there is no going totally. back. So rather than, and it's mm. like the classic, um, kind of these industries that haven't been disrupted yet or slow to be disrupted that are just kind of holding on to mm. kind of this way we do things. And it's exactly. just like, let's just embrace how we should be working mm. and, mm. and sort that culture. Like hybrid's here to stay. It's here to stay. And if you want to attract great people in the future, the problem to be solved isn't, um, you know, how to get people into work. It's how do I get them engaged? And how do I, it's that shift of trust, isn't it? Like, mm. how do I trust yeah. that I've hired it? So is it hiring? Have I hired great people? Yeah. Um, how am I engaging them? How am I connecting them to what we're doing and our mission and our vision? And those companies that don't have that, I mean, that's the problem to be solved, not getting people back in the office. The challenge, though, is that some of the stuff that you've described probably had a few years, if not longer, of bedding in and building trust in a human one-to-one, one-to-group, in-person interaction, right? So I would... I'm just being Don't agree. Look at you. Don't agree. <laughs> so we hired all of our hatchlings online on board of the mall. We it's went so we went into lockdown. We went into lockdown with eleven people, came out with sixty-five on the other end. So that was my well, question. Well, yeah. Could you do what you do at scale in terms of what you're describing? Well you do what you have to do. Right. But I don't think you had to build that trust in person. It it's absolutely yeah. nice to be you have to have um, and uh, timely is a great um, Kiwi example of a remote mm-hmm. first culture, yep. mm-hmm. which I don't even know if that's a thing anymore, remote first, because we're just all hybrid, aren't we? Because mm-hmm. I think even they had to have some office spaces, but mm-hmm. um, there's they, they know they have to get people together. They recognize that, but it's mm-hmm. no longer about bums on seats to look at screens. It's no. about rituals and mm-hmm. celebration and mm-hmm. embedding culture and whatever that might be. So I think they had quarterly and annual get togethers. And so it's really just shifting face to face time to something other than work. Mm. Um, there will be certain people who are neurodiverse and who have different absolutely. temperaments and yeah. empathy language absolutely. You know, that needs this, right? Yeah. And will and new starters as well. So there has so the, yeah, that's the why hybrid, idea, I mean right? we have to be flexible. Yeah. Yeah, we really do. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I like the pushback. I would just add the question in my mind, could you do it? You know, and maybe you've had the best of both worlds now and it can be done. Mm. But yeah, it's what you're describing is fantastic. So I just yeah, wanna... well, one of our kind of challenges was to like not make profit a dirty word. Like for a lot of the time okay. in our mm. journey, we were like, oh, like do we want to share what those numbers are? Like good or bad? Mm. Like is it? A... And when we started sharing, because of course to hit the number, everyone has to know where we're at. Like are we yeah at the profit level that we want to be? You know mm. whatever. And it was like we didn't want to be because we're a people first organization, but we talk mm. about profit drives the things that allows us to fuel all of our people happiness. Like effectively, mm. we can hire ahead of the curve, so people aren't you know really stressed and burnt out and all that. We mm. can only do that if we're profitable. Like you can't kind of. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, like innovation's expensive as well, right? Yeah. Like so if we're not Training, profitable. Learning and development. Exactly. I right. know, yeah. All these things. Because like, you know, if you've got like ten thousand dollars and it's the last ten thousand and you say, DK, that's all we've got, be innovative, you're just gonna be like, uh, this <laughs> yeah, thing yeah, that yeah, I know yeah, is gonna yeah, work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Irish yeah. model, right? But yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so there was like a learning thing for everyone on our team of here's what this means for our organization. Um, and yeah, if we're if we're winning then you'll kinda of win too and we have to do that sort of talk with every single person that comes in the business. So that bit I think needs the kind of trust and education, but certainly, you know, hiring remotely and stuff mm. is uh, yeah, we don't really have a problem with that. So, mm. where were you born and brought up, by the way? Uh, Porirua. You are, then, yeah. right. So, you're a Wellington regional lad. Regional lad, yeah, yeah. There we go. Not many of them, right? Let's <laughs> be honest. Uh, so, you're a local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Love Back it. Into the city, yeah. But you've travelled a lot and you do have operations elsewhere. Yep. How do you manage this cultural mindset and this thing that you're trying to build, this I trust model and these other things, when it compares to other nation states and cultural attitudes and different work approaches or do you not see those boundaries? No, I mean, I think we've just, because we've tested this out for like a couple of years to figure out what the right pieces of the puzzle are to make what we're trying to do fit really well. Yeah. Um, and we've got really strong kind of values alignments to our business, um, which is pretty much driven just from me and Matt and the kind of people that we want to hire. So we find like if we get the values bit right, mm. when they get into this environment, like, oh, wow, these are all these things that I haven't kind of had before and I sort of know where I stand. and I know. So I think a lot of that might just be kind of foundation stuff that probably works at like a global level. Mm. Um, and then it's just finding the right values for people for us, really, yeah. um, which, you know, we've had some success doing and, mm. um, you know, we've got a whole bunch of things that we try and do to make that work because, cool. you know, just we've built such a good culture now and it doesn't take many things to kind of be outside of that culture for it to all start falling apart. Right, so you're mm. quite like individuals protective or, of oh, that. Oh, yeah, now, yeah, right? for sure. Yeah, right, like that makes sense, especially yeah. when it's been working. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're still like a small business, right? Like 50 is yeah. kind of huge and mm. people will still, you know, communicate, you know, one-on-one -on -one and, and there's not like it's yeah. a massive organisation. Yeah. So that's kind of really important. And I think it will always be important. I'm not taking away from like big organisations shouldn't try and make culture like a very important thing. I but yeah. Um, yeah. And what about you, Kristen, in terms of thinking about where you've worked and lived and what's your attitude to New Zealand work culture or having come from Canada? I think, um, gosh, it's been a while since I've been back to Canada, but I do, um, I like that we are now, um, I don't love seeing um, Kiwis going to work for Australian companies, although I love what Australians are doing and they're building some great innovative things. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah. I but it, you know, it makes me sad that we've got this brain drain, even remote brain drain. 
um, building up these incredible tech businesses in Australia with Kiwis, and I'm thinking just tech. But um, so yeah, I love this new world where we don't need to be, you know, physically located here in New Zealand. Um, opens up all sorts of opportunities. Um, but that said, um, increases competition. Like you know, you've got I know for tech, for example, I think I saw some. Um, derogatory comments about lazy tech Americans and mm. they're off to Eastern Europe, for example, and that's where but some companies are kind of moving all their development. And so mm. I think a global world means an increasingly competitive world um, okay. and, you know, the uh, seeking out kind of cheap labor, which is um, was something we need to be a little bit careful of. Mm. But um, I, I do like um, naturally supporting New Zealand and we live here and I've only ever built here while I've been living here, Wellington-based companies, because right. I do find it nice that we can all work from home, yeah. um, but we can, when needed, come in and celebrate together, but also give the opportunity for new starters and their respective managers to be in the office, or you've got extroverts that need to be in the office and they like their coffee yeah. and they yeah. like being in, in a space. So I think it's, I do like building businesses here in Wellington for, yeah. for that reason. and and. Definitely, we'll build the next one here as well. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I find it interesting that, you know, you. how long have you been here now? 12 years. 11 years. 11 12 years, years this um, Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to me, I'm just 11 years. Yeah. So, yeah, 12 years next June. So It's, it's really cool. The, the startup yeah. ecosystem here is fantastic. Mm. It's, a, you know, it's in a place we've loved to raise the, the kids here. They're leaving yeah. home in a couple of years. So that it's been a great place to raise the kids. Mm. It's been a great place to kind of get stuck in, um, in that startup ecosystem all the way back to those biz dojo days where we Which first we met, met. Yeah, <laughs> when you were in whipster yeah and, and i think and and there. yeah and and um I, I don't have any plans on kind of building anything outside yeah. of wellington again so do you feel like the both of you the ecosystem though has shifted a lot here in wellington specifically when it comes to startup and startup communities and things like that obviously the physical infrastructure has shifted a lot and covid has done its its thing um but the vibrancy, I'm going to make an opinion, oh, is gone for Wellington. Right, that's not just me then. No, right. all the furly, and the furly signs. And that's because of people like me allowing and people really celebrating people working fault. from home. Yeah, actually. I know, I know. <laughs> and we all, got, we all got dogs during lockdown, so we have to be home to be yeah, with our looking after puppy them. babies. Yes, and, there's that. I mean, I don't know what... But it is sad when you go down yeah. and, uh, you know, your old coffee haunts are no longer there or... I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. I think the, the, the vibrancy around, like, connection is still very much here. Like, I think Wellington's a right. fantastic place for, you know, meet with someone. It's like, oh, if they've got any need at all where I've got, like, four or five people, like, there'll be LinkedIn connections, mm. like, within the hour, you yeah. know, that type of thing. So I think that's still very much alive and well. And I've noticed recently, certainly in the last year, where there is some incredible Wellingtonians or Kiwis who want to you know, make home in, in Wellington, just coming back. There's people from, you know, a guy from Booking.com, someone from Twitter leading up the dev team. Oh, sure, yeah. Maybe so still or whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah like, there's <laughs> no, amazing people. Like, like, um, you know, coming back to the region, and it's like, wow, we've kind of got this, you know, you hear about all the brain drain stuff, but then there's a lot of people coming back as well. Brain gain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But then interestingly, they don't have a community when, they, when they've mm. been gone for like 10 years and they're like, oh, it's this Wellington place. And so that's an interesting mm. opportunity, I think, is re-engaging these you know, kind of people. And this is back. where, 
where like I do reflect on the Biz Dojo days and mm. the stuff that was happening there, the 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 creative collisions that could happen. Yeah. Which mm. does create the and the and the if you read any of the anthropological stuff around community building, it's not the deeply intentional, let's sit and become friends. Yeah. It's like I know you from so-and-so, let's yeah. chat. And then the second and third time I make friends with you because the trust gets built over time. Yeah. And so those okay, so gentle little kind mm. of liaisons that happen, which need a physical space or doesn't have to now because you can see people online and you say, oh, you were on that webinar with me. Yeah, cool. Sometimes, maybe. I don't mm. know if that can happen. But that's what's lacking now is that creative collisions and then the intentional creative collisions that like the Collider program or something like, you know, the US Embassy knows a couple of people in town so they hold a couple of round tables. Mm. Places like that that used to happen and then get hosted at Biz Dojo yeah. where already there was a community and other people then gravitated to there was there's a loss of this kind of layering. Mm. Of but maybe is that is that the stuff that's gonna come back because we don't wanna have all of these empty offices and so is there something mm. like as I've always wondered, is we work now gonna come back or are these co working spaces Good and we point. now just have to rethink what does hybrid look like without having all these empty desks? Or yeah. and or yeah. because yes, that could happen. Or it could be that we have to be more intentional. Yeah about creating a space for that community collisions to happen. Yeah, true. That soft kind of building of relationships, mm. which and the soft skill side of things are, are becoming harder to gather and harder to kind of uh, go without, so mm. we say. I'm thinking out loud. I haven't mm. I've got any answers. I'm just thinking and reacting to what the stuff mm. you were saying. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think people are still like open to catching up <laughs> that, 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 I don't yeah. think that's ever going to yeah. go away so I think there might be a little bit more work on if you want to mm. facilitate that or create that yourself and yeah. I, yeah I definitely think there's kind of the spaces for that to happen organically might have sort of disappeared in some way shape or form but uh -huh. people are just still so open to help I um, think, I think. So, totally yeah. Yeah. I'd say that because mm. I'm constantly going on oh, let me introduce you and get out of the bloody way you know mm. yeah. big fan of doing that but I was just thinking out loud of the things I'm, I'm not being nostalgic I hate yeah. looking back oh remember a time when <laughs> no because there were some other issues going on with this dojo and working in those places and stuff that weren't all you know uh, happy happy times but no I mean this uh, this stuff is all creates opportunity doesn't it because so. if we feel like we're missing something it just hasn't been um, someone hasn't tackled it yet and there's an opportunity there mm. yeah yeah because there's some kind of definitely so let's talk about, we mentioned it a couple of times, COVID and its impact. Yeah. On, you mentioned that it didn't have much impact other than you went and scaled. <laughs> and yeah, the we hatch did. Wings that you called <laughs> them. We, had, the, we had a perfect storm, didn't we? And yeah. so we were inverse to um, many, um, you know, really tough business stories, I think, is that in that we had the inverse problem and it was having to scale really rapidly. Because um, you were like a year up bit into the business being established and then COVID hit, right? Yeah, and we were really on the back foot in that we were under-resourced severely going oh, wow. into something that, you know, your usage increases, you know, over a thousand percent a month type oh. thing. So it was, wow. um, that had its own stresses um, and yeah, it was great. I still remember the kids bringing me meals. At, you know, at my screen all day and saying, here's, here's breakfast, here's lunch, here's dinner. <laughs> I'm on customer support. And they're like, how many more tickets, mom? And I'm like, we're down to nine <laughs> wow. at 9 p.m. at night because oh, we wow. had to hire, you know, four more people. But it was, um, I tell you what was super cool coming out of that first lockdown 
and putting on a potluck, uh, what is it called, shared lunch here, mm -hmm. and putting it on and just seeing this group of people that had bought into this mission, and which I think is bringing people along the journey is mm. ownership engagement, but also they're um, buying into this mission of, of mm. the world you're trying to change. Um, and that was incredible, all these young you know, faces, um, well, and some old, but um, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. That must be nice. Yeah, and no, that was great. So COVID uh, was great for our business. Um, which was which was cool. Mm. Um, was and the two of you that started it? Um, there were four co-founders, right. and Nat and I um, were the two that left, and we left the lads in charge. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you high fived them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry on yeah. with luck. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Go> well, <laughs> and then Nat and I are flying yeah. out soon. Like, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm sure they don't miss our talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's an interesting dynamic, though, to understand what you bring to the team and what also, yeah, things are challenged by your personality. Some people are, but I'm not saying they were. By the way, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Duncan you know. probably was. He's our, he was our CTO, and oh, we right. talked a lot. He probably was challenged by Nat and I. Um, he's getting some well-needed peace at the moment. But, yeah. <laughs> it's well, like I can just do my code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the brown noise have gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, no, COVID was um, I, yeah, it flew by. It flew by mm. for us. It was just one of those things that flew by. And I didn't have young kids. I, you don't either, do you? No, that would have been insanely stressful. Mm. Um, I had teens at the time that could take care of themselves, and right. so um, I feel like that flew by. Um, and you know, on onwards. What about you guys? Yeah, um, obviously being in the advertising world, uh, when there's something like this that kicks off, and it's like, oh, we can't ship anything, so all of our e-commerce clients are pretty much like, um, so we're not going to spend any more next month. Wow. And so yeah, so we had like a 58% reduction in revenue Whoa. in April, and then it was like, oh my god, it just kind of came out of nowhere for us. Um, yeah. And we had like a really good last three months. So we got like people in place, we were ready to hit the right. year. And then, yeah. yeah, just kind of really kind of sort of blindsided us. Yeah. But I think going back to that point of like sharing, being really open and, and transparent with our performance, yeah. it, it was funny having to say to the team, like the last 18 months when, we show, when I've been showing profit, they've all been green numbers. I'm gonna show you a red one. But don't panic, <laughs> because the last 18 have been green, which means we've got like a war chest to yeah. handle what yeah, we're about yeah, to go yeah. into. Right, yeah. And so we showed the red number, and it was like, ooh, it is a red number. <laughs> yeah. And then next month, it was also a red number, but a slightly yeah. smaller red number, and then the next one. So we, they really, I think, I was I felt so fortunate that we would, would actually shared all that with the team prior, yeah. and I never thought that that would be a benefit, actually showing, because, I mean, in our space, there were agencies that were kind of firing people, and it was just kind of chaos, mm. where our team were like, at least they, they knew that they were secure, because we were just being so upfront with where we were at. Mm. And I remember month four or something, we made like um, $2,000 or something, or 2100 It was green. Yeah, and then we said to the team, what should we spend it on? <laughs> 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 but, um, but yeah, it was really uh, kind of cool. So and we pivoted to say, um, like, with a lot more free time, obviously, because we just had clients that we weren't doing anything on. Let's make the most of it. Like, what are some projects that we need to do? And so mm. we normally have a dashboard to show, you know, kind of where we're tracking and our clients' performance. And we kept that, but we also had this new dashboard, which was, like, the projects that we're working on. So we sort of showed, like, celebrated project wins because yeah, we had these teams that were, you know, free to do stuff. So, yeah, we really kind of pivoted to, like, when we get on the other side of this, we're going to be so much better and efficient and awesome than we were at the start. And so it really kind of just 
got everyone sort of really excited and it was the, the daily chickens, which I'm sure you yeah. probably were doing those, yeah, see everyone was yeah, going. Yeah. And so, yeah, little stuff like that kind of yeah. got us through um, what could have been a pretty sort of challenging time. I mean, it Amazing. was challenging. But, yeah. And you yeah. didn't have to shed any staff? No. Nope. Awesome. I, I love hearing those stories. Mm. Everyone coming together mm. and coming out the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did your leadership have to change, like style and, and considerations, not just day to day, I would imagine had to change, but... Yeah. What did you learn as a leader in that time? Uh, yeah, so we kind of just went for like daily check-ins. So we normally do like a weekly kind of all-hands thing. Mm. Um, and yeah, like it, I, this is my, what my EA says, and it was going to be quite open here with uh, my uh, personal style. So I think I'm very empathetic. Like, like I think empathy thoughts, but mm. apparently <laughs> facial expressions ah. and I might not be outwardly empathetic. Okay. So th- hearing that feedback was actually great leading going into something like this, where mm. of course it wasn't just our, our team sort of safe and, and it's like their partners as well, right? Because everyone's yeah. going through something quite crazy. So I had to like kind of use people who did have these, you know, high empathetic kind of things that kind of coach me through how did that go? You know, I did the half hour. I sort of felt like it was so kind of got like really learnt a lot about my outward expression and then trying to get better at that. So it was kind of like a crash course and, you know, kind of communicating in a way that I needed to. And moment. all online. And all online. And it was um, that first lockdown, I did not like it at all. Right. <laughs> so, and I'm a bit of an extrovert. I love being, yeah. you know, around people. But like just the, and you would have, I imagine, had this as people with your 9 p.m. call, like back-to-back Zooms. Yeah. And just that Zoom fatigue was like a completely real thing mm. for me. And then also like trying to switch on my brain to be kind of a, a new, the leader that I had to be, that just yeah. trained the shit out of me. So that yeah, first totally. couple of, you know, weeks, I was like, oh, my God, this is, you know, looked at the, 13 signs of depression. I was like, oh, I've got to live it. Wow, wow. We, this is, uh, wow. you know, we need to change some stuff here. And, uh, right? Yeah, it was, it, was, wow. it was quite full on. And That's so tough. as soon as we went back to the office, it was like literally just like a, a, a shot of, you know, adrenaline back in the system. Right? So it was wow. so interesting seeing that. Um, wow. But again, I wasn't switching off. And, and I imagine you guys would have been quite crazy yeah, yeah, yourselves, yeah, right, yeah. with all the yeah. customer service based stuff. Yes, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it Same was. Uh, well, a little bit of a blur. I possibly let go um, when you hire that quickly. You tend to, um, it's not a um, deliberate approach to hiring and building a team. Um, so things can get quite messy and, and broken. I think Rodri um, Zero talked about cultures breaking at 25 and again at 50, and there's certain mm. numbers, numbers of people. So uh, sure, that happened. Um, and you maybe let go too much um, maybe there's not enough accountability because it's this i'm busy you just go do what i've hired you to I've do written it and down so you think that's right that's right and so there's probably all those messes um that happen but it's possibly a little bit of a blur i just remember and to your skill sets and um, help with training is um the, some of the <laughs> worst things we're now having to do my job um, on presentations and speeches online. Mm. Oh my goodness, because that was where I come into my own is getting in front of a group yeah, of people right, and right. like feeding off the stage and, and scared, like getting on a stage is really mm-hmm. scary. I'm not suggesting I'm, I'm great at it, but I do have a good time. But that screen, that I remember that being awful part of transitioning. Mm. And um, especially when you only see your face, yeah. And you're talking at your face the whole thing, and you can see this number of like 111 online, or mm. doot, 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 doot. and then if, when they start to drop, you're like, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Um, but you don't get that feedback. Nope. Yeah. Um, 
so you don't know. And, and the only reason you're doing this is trying to connect with people mm. and trying to inspire people mm. or whatever. And it's in a, in a faux environment. You sat down. Everything is no against feedback. you for connecting. Yeah. No feed I just remember my face, you know, when your face mm. feels red and hot mm. and then your brain, you're saying the thing that you're meant to be saying, but your brain is mm. going, um, oh, terrible. So I, I found that re I really struggled, which is why I took one of your courses. Um, you. And so I've got all the little setup now to do mm. that right. But um, and and you adjust, you adjust. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it will be nice getting back in front of people. Um, yeah. Well, it was, um, but you do have to do a mix now. There's you know, an expectation like, now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's locked in. Exactly. It's yeah. not going away, like yeah. you said earlier, yeah. hybrid yeah. working is staying. Yeah. So this methodology of communicating through the screen, it's a medium that you yeah. have to get your head around. Oh my and goodness. so many people are still in a mode of mm. just wrong, just a whole bunch Well, of I, did, I did everything wrong. Um, all the visual distraction behind cool. you. I remember I had a new little puppy and I was just throwing him, you know, bones to keep him busy while I was like doing this thing. And my cat and my dog, um, uh, they're like, tried, they keep apart willingly, um, but they got entangled <laughs> under the desk while I was giving a presentation and had a massive fight. A massive and you're fight. just picking up your legs. And you could, you, you, could, you could see these little comments starting to pop up. And then the cat jumped behind on the piano, knocked all over, over all of the um, photo um, yeah. frames on the piano. Classy. And I'm just like trying, I'm just going with <laughs> yeah. it. I'm just going with it. I did it all wrong. But now I, now I feel better about it. It's fun. Once Thanks. you get your head around Thanks it, right? Thanks to your course. It was yeah, great. Thank you for taking yeah. it. Really but need a storytelling course because um, yeah. I don't know how, how you go and you go and present. I mean, presumably it is about your business and you're you know, inspiring people. Um, would love to hear. But um, I think it's that, you know, the story, different storytelling methods and mm. like how to structure. Mm. Yeah, like if, if um, I'm asked to speak at a women's leadership event at the end of November, and it's a pretty wide berth. And so you're like, mm. I just, it's a bit of a recipe that maybe, um, you know, do you pick the three things and then you, um, you know, summarize them at the end or, well, I don't know, but like, what, it, what is it? What's the, <laughs> oh, what's the, what's <laughs> yeah. the magic for the storytelling? My favorite storytelling model yeah. is so simple. It's, it's wonderful. Tell me what you're going to tell me, tell me, and then tell me what you told me. Yeah. Write that down. So what are you yeah. what are you going to tell me? So stand up today. I'm going to talk to you about mm, and how it's going to. Mm, mm. And then you or something do like the that, thing. you know. And then you then tell me them. about it. And obviously you're going to be speaking from lived experience, and you're going to speak through their lens, so it gets it right. There's more yes. stuff to yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then at the end, you do a CTA, you know, a classic call to action in terms of like, mm. like, do you need more information? Whatever, you know. I hope you will join us in this mm. rally to whatever. That's the most simplest. Now you can get into complexity then, you know, the Nancy Duarte, what is, what could be, and you can model our behavior, which is really fun. Okay. Uh, the three act structure is right there for you. Three, you know, oh, act structures, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, okay. The, the five act structures, you know, the hero's journey and all that, whether you put them as the hero or yourself as the or a user as the hero. Yeah. Most of my time when I'm working with clients is trying as best as possible to get them to humanize the stories as much as possible. Yeah. So a lot of people lean into metrics, which is needed to add credibility. Yeah. That's fine, but then throw a human in there. Yeah, right. So of those 100,000 people, 
add a human story. Tell the story of how you change. Yeah. Just but do you, do you have to speak a lot, Tim? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot speaking for a long yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't have a structure, though. I wish I did. <laughs> As you were saying, do you I plan, like, though, when you get up there? Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Like, I'll kind of do a little bit of a sort of, you know, you plan will. of what I'm... Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But not... Uh, I think it can be much better, though. Like, I no, always come away from, like, talks being like, oh, like, you know, did, did I communicate that in the right way? Yeah. Or, like, the right kind of cadence as well like sometimes I find part of my stories like, yeah <laughs> like so, speak up and be quite intense well there's only three things you need to give a great presentation and I'm going to give this away for free only because I'm doing a TEDx talk <gasps> in six days time oh, right. oh yeah Nelson, Nelson. yeah okay. so I'll be talking about this so it'll great. be online okay ready so this is my IP is three things you need to give a great talk which will give you structure right grace that's not what you're saying it's how you're saying it mm. yeah credibility that's the yeah. stories you choose to tell and the models maybe around them or the frameworks and then the resonance which is not got nothing to do with you and everything to do with the audience what are you leaving them feeling yeah what is that key emotional thing and you can't say inspired <gasps> you can't that's a, that's a cop out it's like what, choosing what, your kids as your favorite people on the planet no it's a cop out tell me more you know <laughs> look at you <laughs> Well, I get messages after saying... I'm so inspired. Yes. Oh, like, it's a wank word. word. It's a filler word. It doesn't mean anything. Inspired to do what? To... Now I'm interested. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, got Into it. Into action. Right. Yeah, to just say yes. Just say I usually say to say yes. That lady make me want to, mm, you know, shut my computer inspired down. To take or go and buy something else. Or do something... You know what I mean? Inspired into something. Mm. That's fair enough. But just, mm. I want to inspire people. To do what? Get to the outcome. That's what you're going to have to yeah. do when you hear no, that. No, That's no, what no. I mean about right. <laughs> no, no, it's true. Well, no, for so, me, I had a whole thing around saying yes, because I'm such a huge believer of saying yes, because right. it's led me to this, like, here. And, um, right here, yeah, so I, that's what, that's what I want to inspire people to do is to say Fair yes. Enough. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. An outcome to it, And they right. write back and they're like, ah, but I don't know how long it lasts. So pumped, I'm inspired. To do what? To say yes. Anyway, but going yeah. back to your point about grace, right? That's one of my favorite things to work with clients mm. on because pe most people miss that out. Mm. So that could be to do with the intonations, your face, the mm. emotional resonance you're offering me when I'm listening to you. Right. Because as a listener, I will mirror your emotions. Because, I, I, you know, if you're very excited about something, yeah. I'll be going, I should be excited. You're right. <laughs> you know, <'cause> I'm <laughs> so listening you just have to speak in a smile. <laughs> oh, or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I or be anyway. serious. <laughs> you know, it could be a serious point. Yeah, some right. people nah. still are smiling because they're nervous. <laughs> and this is really serious about the climate and shit, right? Yeah. And you're like, uh, why is this? Is she having fun? Is this so ironic? Weird. Am yes, I missing something? Right. Love it. Okay. So, uh, and also the pauses you create, the intonations, the stress point, the cadence, mm. those are all things... To do with the story, but you can add now in Jedi mind tricks and stuff to like a, a good pause in a speech or talk is like an underline in writing. Yeah, mm. I love so it. Think about it that way. So when do you pause to have real point? You know, usually after a metric or a story you give or a call or a question. Mm. Like, why can't we do this? Mm. And then mm. they're thinking about why can't we do this, you know? Don't rush straight in to tell them why we can't do this. So those types of things. Okay. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> we'll just watch the, we'll just watch the talk. <laughs> yeah, what's the talk? <laughs> no, we will. Uh, 18 minutes of just me eight, going back. 18 oh, minutes? One I eight. thought they were like six or something. They can be. So 18 is the maximum amount of time. Yeah. You, you are taking all the time. I think I will you on like, this one. You were like, I will take my space. <laughs> I think I will on this one. Just to <gasps> be, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you have to memorize yeah. it all? 
I don't memorize I mean, I'm quotes asking anyway. Him, but <laughs> yeah, you can, most people debate to memorize quotes. That's a masterclass, man. Awful. That is a masterclass. I'll be watching that. But I've got my bullet points written down, and one of my big things again with clients is stealing their scripts. So if someone turns up to the script, I'm like, <laughs> now tell me your story. You don't need a script because yeah. if you're speaking right, right, from lived experience, the only thing you need to yeah. remember is the audience. I, bl- I, t- I totally audience. buy into that. Uh, the, the, the order. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, the point yeah, yeah. that you're telling the yeah. story because sometimes people get lost in the story and they forget the point. Do you, know, right. do you know what I did? One, do you, what I used to do, mm-hmm. I probably still do, is, um, and that's the way to memorize. You're, I know you're not supposed to memorize your speech. Don't look at me I like that. It, but, but it's the remembering the highlights, right? And so mm. um, they, I walk into my lounge and that's like the um, who I am. And then I've got these objects in my lounge that I place the point on. Oh, you do a memory so, palace. That's it. Mm. Memory palace. That's mm. it. Because I Googled it and I was like, this might work. And so now every cool. um, talk I give, walk into my lounge and my piano is my first point, but I make it relevant to the piano, like my mm. whatever. And then that, and then the TV and then the thing and then the Perfect. whatever. Yeah. That's great. So then I just have to, and then I don't skip the points because mm-hmm. that's the most stressful you know part. Yeah. yeah, because that's what, you know. But you kind of have a little cheat sheet in the back pocket, you know, that you pull out just oh, to yeah. make sure you're on point and hide away. It, Is that, that coming out digital whilst you're or speaking? paper? I'd say paper, yeah, you know, yeah. like a little A5 yeah. or something. Yeah. Digital yeah. is like, yeah. they do it, and it's like, seriously. Yeah. Um, but okay. there's little things like that. Some people write down their hands and write down. Yeah. That's always scary because people sweat and then they rub and it goes. You can't read it. Yeah. <sighs> um, can I go back to your philosophy on saying yes? Yeah. yeah. When did this all start? Um, I think, when did it start? I think I um, was possibly in, uh, possibly after high school and mum wanted me to do a gap year instead of going straight to uni. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was kind of my first realization that not everyone in the world does stuff and steps out of their comfort zones. Because I had these people that said they were going to go with me and we were right. like, oh, great, we're going to go travel Europe. Um, uh, and we were barely 18. Um, and the easy thing to do was just work mm-hmm. or whatever. And uh, in the end, I was the only one that got on the plane. Oh, wow. And so right. I traveled Europe by myself wow. for um, eight months and I met up with people, um, you know, as you do, um, whatever, small world. Um, but yeah, so I think that was um, the scariest eight months of my life. So lonely. I was so homesick. Um, but that broke this thing of, um, and I, to be fair, I wasn't raised um, to be very traditional and a mass um, you know, things and um, whatever, like, you know, we, we had most of our um, childhood in the outdoors and adventures and experiences were really highly valued in my family. So it's not like I completely changed, but I realized that um, stepping out into that really scary place um, is the best. You never regret it. So then ever since then, it was like I did a year of uni in Mexico because why not? And um, you know, mm. um, oh, just stuff like that. And you're on the plane and you're like, why am I not doing what everyone else is doing at mm. home? And on a plane to New Zealand with two babies and we'd sold everything and just showed up in Wellington with a pram, you know, 12 years ago, a double pram, Phil and Ted's pram, two kids slotted in and we were like, what well, have we- It must we... have been a reason to come. No, no, it was like, why really? not? Okay. It was like, why not? Why would you not sell your house in Canada and move to New Zealand with two toddlers 
to you know find new okay. jobs and like whatever so that's that saying yes is it's always led me it's like you always land and invariably panic and invariably go why can't i be like everyone else and same thing with quitting my job to do um startup like why would i go from making money to no money and mm. to, you know and it's just because um it's because you can i suppose mm. And, and you never look back and go, well, that was dumb. Are you recognizing this habit now in your kids? Um, oh, that's such a good question. I haven't thought about it. Uh, my daughter, yes, absolutely. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah, she, absolutely. She's off to um, Spirit of Adventure, that um, you know, 10 days on the boat. You go on the- oh, yeah, the tall boat. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah so she's stuff. off there for 10 days and like most that's kids wouldn't cool. do that, you know? Um, yeah, she's, uh, and then she's off to Denmark next year for three months for an exchange. And so like, again, massively stretches um, you as a person and it's hard mm. and it's easier not to do the thing, mm. yeah. uh, but you never regret not doing the thing. Fascinating. Yeah. Mm. And your hubby's obviously the same. No, he's the opposite. So he dra you you drag him. No, into I trouble. gently um, um, like plant seeds. I gently plant seeds. He you headlock. <laughs> walk on the plane. I gently plant seeds. He is plant the loveliest, seeds. kindest human being, Canadian. Like he's just gorgeous, like amazing. <laughs> Partner in life, fifty-fifty. Mm -hmm. You know, like sharing the kids and the household stuff, and he yeah. cooks and he does all that stuff. Um, anyway, don't get me started because like. It's a problem um, <laughs> for, for a lot of women, right. you know, who can't like, yeah. You know, ex yeah, anyway, chat about my next thing in a minute. But um, yeah, so he, he's great, but he is um, open to new adventures, but I generally cool. plant, plant seeds. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating to yeah. hear how you ended up here without a plan. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Did you know what you wanted to be when you were growing up? Uh, like how did you find yourself into the ad industry? Yeah, really? what was the first step? Yeah, so I, through uni I was working for um, this website called AdventureNewZealand.com yeah. mm -hmm. and my job was to try and like figure out how to get the website ranking highly in Google. This was, this was, this was a job like, you know, 15 years ago. Like, yeah. Kind of yes. I mean, it's still our job now, but it was like, you know, you just picked a person and tried to figure it Black out. Black art as well. Yeah, well, yeah. and that was weird. There was no one in New Zealand that was really kind of mm. doing it. So you just looked at what was happening in the States and just kind of, you know, matched it and just tried to figure <laughs> it all out. Our claim to fame was outranking Transrail for rail passes. So if you typed in rail passes NZ, we were number one, and then ah, they were number two. But we just made a commission totally on sense. everything we sold. It was like was this while you were at uni? This yeah, was a, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was kind of like the first. What were you taking thing. at school? Uh, I did, a, a, I did like film, Italian, um, theatre, and then marketing. Because yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, there has yeah, to yeah, be some marketing in there. And that was only because <laughs> when I left school and didn't know what to do our careers advisor was like, well, just do marketing because like, at least you'll have okay. that as a fallback. Yeah. Marketing and management yeah. was what everyone got told to do yeah, if you didn't yeah, know yeah. what to do, yeah. um, which was kind of fair because the, the course was pretty sort of, yeah, it was, and then the, the chapter on digital was like one page back then. <laughs> this was like 2007. So I was like, oh, well, kind of cool. Um, and so, yeah, so I started working for this company and then um, my, my dad actually got this email and in hindsight, it was kind of a very spammy email, like, you know, the block color, and there's this conference up in Auckland, uh, the World Internet Summit, for $97 for limited time only, and they didn't respond to that, and then 47 and a free ticket. And so he said, um, hey, mate, I know you're in the kind of internet world. Um, there's someone at this conference talking about Google, so um, I've just bought you a ticket. Maybe you can take Matt, oh, who, was, who, who was my best mate. And, and I was, oh, yeah, well, and I said, Matt, you know, go up to Auckland. And so anyway, we went to Auckland, and... 
it turned out it was one of those kind of how to make money online conferences. Mm. <laughs> what year was this? Wait, uh, just this was sorry. 2008. Okay. Ooh, yeah. ooh, so right so, so when like, uh, yeah, 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 like ooh. right in the middle of it. And um, that was actually part of the reason why they got so many people in the room. But um, there was someone there talking about Google. And I said to my mate, Matt, I was like, this conference has all felt a little bit weird. But if this guy promises the top spot, if we buy his product, this whole conference has been bullshit. And no, no word of the lie, the lights go out. Mm. Smoke machine <laughs> starts going on, and this laser shows like love it. And this guy runs out and he goes, "Hey Kiwis, I can promise you the top spots in Google. Run Brilliant. to the back of the room and buy my product." And when the lights came on, there were like two hundred, effectively mainly small business owners. We were like, you know, I was like twenty and Matt was twenty-one, or whatever. And they were just at the back of the room, and we we're like, "No, like don't mm. do it." And we were like, "Maybe we should start a company that helps like small businesses at the time figure out how to navigate this world of digital marketing because at least we know about." Google optimization, and then that evening we literally went on the company's office and we're like, Did it? First business Did you was, finish uni though? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I actually kind of left uni and I had two more papers to do and yeah. I did those over the next kind of two years so I ended up finally getting to do this yeah 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 oh. the first company name was i-marketing because you know you know the hyphen was really cool back in 2009 it was the a thing I- iPod was i-pod yeah of course and we're like well, if it's, yeah, so yeah. dash you could do dashes back you could do then. hyphen yeah yeah, yeah. hyphen so sorry of thing. course yeah, which was a nightmare trying to give someone your email address you like Tim yeah. I hyphen marketing. We're like, how do you spell hyphen? Like, no, no, the, the dash. And like, what? I was like, oh god. Dash so. forward dash? No, it's um, <laughs> no, it's a, you know the okay. little. You know the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let yeah. me draw it. Yeah, do you have a whiteboard here? Um, yeah, so that was our kind of first. Uh, for, see, I didn't really plan on being in the advertising industry, and, and neither did Matt. Um, who's, who's my yeah, best yeah, that's buddy. a great story. Yeah, and we're still kind of best mates. He was the best oh. man at my wedding earlier this year. Is this um, with um, Luca? Is this yes. Lucas? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Lucas' father. Uh, Lucas' father. <laughs> we don't talk about Luca. I <laughs> love it. How cool. That is and, a cool And he is um, obviously Rescue Metrics. Is, he's, you two are doing this as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's uh, kind of a shareholder of that, but not working in the day-to-day. Okay. He's kind of part of the big leadership team, the reason that keeps the, the wheels that in motion. That totally but, works. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And what's the future then? Do you have like a 20 year rollout plan? No. <laughs> I, I You're like six months. Ask me about six yeah. months. Do you have a two month plan? Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> two weeks. Help the, me out yeah, For the reason agency, we've built, we have built like a 20 year plan for that because we've gone, um, like, because every big, like, global agency has tried to buy us, right? Like, that's what happens when you get to about 20 people. Yeah. Like, knock at really? your door and go, you know, like, let's, okay. let's figure it out because if you get too big, then you get, it's too expensive, right? The whole, there's a whole dynamic there. But um, what's too expensive? Oh, you get too expensive. Yeah, yeah, to like acquire um, at the levels mm-hmm. that we're kind of at but we it's hard and I challenge them all with this is to show me an example of where you've had an agency where you didn't kill the culture in like two years because normally they acquire and then they're just going to get consumed Um, so we sort of said well let's just build a business that kind of works for both of us and then we've just got a leadership team that can support and all those things and (gasps) love it yeah so that's kind of that plan Um, cool and then the rescue metrics thing I'm just like quarter by quarter just try to you know, get us to the scale and then the market influence where you're going with it as well right? totally because it's yeah. uh, and it won't last from a perspective of the problem will last it'll change exactly yeah the yeah, specific yeah. problem i mean it yeah, will just yeah, morph yeah. and change and that's what i was to, wondering yeah. 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 yeah and the big thing that i actually want to move on to at some point which is, won't be going away for a while is like there's this real issue in our industry where if you're a client and you buy some media say on um, stuff.co.nz mm. if you have a thousand dollars 
um, and then you say, if I said to you, how much do you think actually goes to stuff? Often clients' first reaction is, oh, $1,000. And you say, oh, but there's mm. some transaction there. Mm. Like, and then they think about it, like, okay, maybe like 800? And you're like, nope. And you keep going, and it's only like a very small amount, like, you know, sort of 300 of that ends right. up going to stuff. And if you ask stuff, how much the clients spend? They'll say 300. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so there's this, obviously, there's like technology in the way, and there's serving costs, and there's all these different things. But like, that is a very, and in fact, the PwC did this thing in the UK to try and figure out if there was some loss, and they found out it was 11% of spend just can't be attributed, which is wild. What? It's like billions of dollars a year. It's just like everyone's like, I don't know. And Google's <laughs> like, do you have it? The clients are like, do you have it? So it's like, where did it all go? What? And so there's a real area of disruption which blockchain okay. can actually solve for, not in a sort of yeah. blockchain's everything. This is actually a really good example of where you need like a communication method. Because you can method. trace everything. Yeah, like wow. an actual ledger of where everything went yeah, yeah. to save that 11% and have all of NZ Media companies could actually own that business Amazing. because they need support mm. now. Like we need, you know, kind of news media, free news media uh, more than ever. So how could we actually put more money back into those organizations to promote yeah, right. journalism and things like that, which we need. Just the idea of spending wow. a grand and a grand goes to that person you'll buy in. Right. Or, 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 or a fair or amount. A fair <laughs> amount. Yeah, exactly. a majority of uh, it. Yeah, a, a fair exchange of value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 it's really not that complicated to take someone's kind of creative yeah. and put it on a website. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, there's yeah. a lot of disruption that can happen there. Could be automated, right. but sometimes it's usually going, yeah, we'll put that there. Yeah. You know, totally. we're checking it, there's no silliness going on. Mm, exactly. We can pull a lot of that money that goes externally back into the country. And Watch this space, man. I love that as a problem to try yeah. and rectify. Yeah. What about love you? It. What about your little plan? I know yeah. you're still holding the cards close no, to No, no, we're chairs. not. We're just, okay. it's like like we, we, we're Figuring three weeks out. into something. Oh, okay. And yeah. And it's called Power Suit. And, um, Power Suit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Should we guess what it is? What well, comes to mind? From an advertising perspective, yeah. how would you pitch Power Suit, Power even suit. just knowing that it's just the name, but you know it's going to be tech? Okay, it's tech. Do you? I don't know. Oh, yeah, good my point. gosh. I think yeah. an industry. Um, uh, I think it's going to be about women leadership stuff. Okay. okay. So it's a play on the 80s Power Suit genre. Okay, I the thought it was going to be, what from, did you think? Maybe, maybe a suitability test between candidates and organizations. Oh, that's good. So it's like, Actually, yeah, that's good. Good. can I, can I, can I say, when Nat and I did go down a recruitment um, rabbit hole, because what if you were to flip the table and um, put the power with the people and their skills and do great matching? Um, right. Great company in Auckland, in Auckland that is looking at some interesting stuff called Matchstick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, cool. yeah so they're doing some cool stuff. N not exactly that, but it is women in leadership. And yeah, yeah. Only because I know that you have interest in that. You've I mentored. I do. And, and yeah, and so does, it, so does Nat. I feel like everything's kind of coming to a place where we're navigating is this a business and what would it look like? Mm. But the problem is there aren't enough women in leadership. In leadership. And there are yeah. a number of reasons why. But we looked at, we were looking at a fund um, that, that had um, this kind of how it came about. And we were looking at a fund that invested in companies and being from investing in fintech, what if we built a fund that had women and we're chatting with these two great ladies that are looking at solving this problem, but um, that had invested in companies with women at the helm and women representation on boards. And research has found that they outperform um, the, um, the market. And they do that for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but there is solid backed evidence that 
diversity obviously is a great thing yeah. and women have a great track record either in the CEO role or CFO role. But anyway, when we shrunk um, in, in terms of performance, both stock price, market value, um, employee uh, wellness, societal wellness and um, all that great stuff. So anyway, when we looked at what would the universe be like in terms of grabbing women at the top and board representation, we got down to about 150 companies um, that were publicly listed that you could invest in and with women at the top, which is insane. Wow. Only 150? Yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah. In New Zealand, we're talking about? Worldwide, global. Oh. Globally. I was even struggling that had, the that concept had significant of... That are listed, that have solid market caps, that are relatively, um, you might put a sustainable screen over top of it. So they're not okay. involved in arms because, you know, we don't, we want to invest in good stuff. And it was, it's about yeah. a universe of 150 people. And Nat and I were like, that's the problem to solve. So, All the reasons that we can't get women um, in influential positions. And so that's the problem to solve. So that's what PowerSuit is. So we're looking at this leaky funnel and all the ways that we lose women. And this is a great thing with COVID is that we're now dealing with um, the future of work. And we're now dealing with an environment where you, it has to be flexible. Um, we have to champion balance. We have to champion diversity um, and entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial mm -hmm. behaviors. Um, and so that with future of work, women are going to thrive in. Um, and I think they're going to um, thrive in an environment where um, they can come into their own leadership skills. So we're going to look at a community platform starting with a newsletter. We'll launch that next week. Um, so yeah, hope, hope people can kind of go to powerseat.com and take a look. We we've go. dropped the E for now because um, we're just testing. Okay. Yeah, we've dropped the E on PowerSuit because we're just testing the connotations of that 80s. Is it negative? You know what that's, this is all very MVP, of course. Um, but, it, you know, we kind of see these pillars of if women were equipped with kind of core leadership skills and so who who am i as a leader as a communicator mm. um in terms of negotiation skills and um what some people might consider soft skills but are definitely hard skills because mm -hmm. they're really hard to master mm -hmm. that eq um aq totally thing agree. um but then there's this critical skills and that's the financial and commercial acumen that quite often we get shut out of mm. and that's because a lot of women end up rising through the ranks in hr and marketing they never get to control a profit loss statement they right. never get to control sizable budgets mm -hmm. and so when they get to near the tops of you know senior leadership positions they do not have the practice um it's like investing we were just never brought into the conversation mm. um so we'll look to develop those skills and then also speaking of blockchain i think looking back at silicon valley and web two is that women did get left out of those conversations. We weren't the ones that were playing on um, the computers and building things um, in garages. And so we got left out of um, the web two conversation. And I think there's that sense of, we've got to figure out a way where women are, are across megatrends. We're across, mm. across um, you know, what web three looks like and what um, the metaverse and, and virtual reality, but even things like geopolitics. And so we're across these conversations mm. that are so important. So that's what we'll look to solve. Um, and um, okay. yeah, we'll start with a newsletter. <laughs> and the newsletter is how we begin. <laughs> and build community and, of you course, know, get a yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. Is but it will be tech. Yeah. Because how, you know, you think, how would you solve this at scale? Um, so that's what we'll be looking to do. So you need to, not surely at all, but in my mind, I'm thinking about, you know, cascading um, areas and being strategic and aiming at things that cascade down or up mm. or it doesn't matter mm. where the cascades to, but it has a bigger 
like a domino effect. Mm. Like what are the biggest issues that enable and in probably is not one. It's probably a classic domino rally where they all meet at one point. It's not 100%. just carrying on. Yeah. So there are probably some key aspects like representation is a massive one and, mm. and we all know that through many issues of, of uh, diversity and representation, being seen and seeing someone yeah. of whatever yes. that you identify with straight away gives an impetus and an inspire inspiration mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. move into action. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I would imagine that's probably uh, low hanging fruit because yeah, of those right. 150, you, need to see you can find what it them. Looks like, right? Ooh. Yeah, that's And they're right. already advocates because they're in that position, so they can, you know. Yeah, that's right. And there's been some wonderful books recently about, you know, girls, rebel girls, and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. my niece got uh, that book, and girls who, co- who code and yeah. organizations getting the people yeah. into that stuff. Yeah. There's lots of good stuff happening, yeah. but there's still a ways to go. Like, I think we're representation at the, in, in the C-suite of, you know, less than 10%. Mm. And, and these are where global decisions are being made. But um, Parliament, New Zealand Parliament, 50-50. Yep. Actually, it's like slight majority um, mm. women now, which is really interesting. Mm. So, um, you know, some really great stuff happening. But we just, you know, diver- we know diversity is good. And, and not just, you know, women, of course, um, uh, diversity of neurodiverse and minorities naturally, but um, I think Nat and I are uniquely positioned for solving a particular problem, and mm. we, you know, invite all sorts of other great people to solve mm. some That's of the other one. challenges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll keep you posted. <laughs> of course, power yeah. suit without the e. dot <laughs> com. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and will there be training as well for organizations? Yeah, as well, well as we will get, yeah, I think, I think you make a good point. And I think the training for the organizations has to be in that future of work and what yeah, it looks right, like. Right. So they're not scared. So we mm-hmm. can embrace what the future is like because flexible work is work that works for women because we still are doing, you know, too much of the managing of the kids and the household. Mm. And that's what I was alluding to. It's mm. like if we just had partnerships in, in our relationships and we were helping one another, we could. Anyway, so flexible work tends to work um, best for women so that they can juggle um, still a lot of these, you know, gotcha. unequal caring opportunities that, mm. we, that we take on and resp- home responsibilities. Um, so I think you're right in that it is an education piece for corporates, um, but inviting them to sponsor their up and coming women mm. um, that have, you know, that have um, the hunger to kind of um, take take on the challenge. Um, mm. So we'll have to do it. Yeah, a bit of a two prong approach, I think. There's many yeah. kind of ways into that problem because there's the whole pay equity stuff as well, yeah. right? And yeah. Joe Crib. Um, yeah, such great. And, there's so uh, much great stuff happening in the space. Yeah, getting, and Anna Gunther and, and yeah. NZTE and getting more women to export and take risk mm. and thinking about scale in a certain way. So. Um, I'm feeling really positive about the directionality, but coming out of Hatch, um, you know, putting my head up for the first time in four and a half years, I was like, man, not a, it still hasn't changed in the world mm. of business. Like, mm. like we're yeah, still not important. the ones that are, if you dust off, you know, an old like mater, um, parental leave policy, it's still like a maternity policy. Yep. And, and like, yeah. what about people who adopt it? Like, it's just mm. like, you know, blow the dust off that. And how is that still happening? Anyway. Good point. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm aware of time and don't want to keep you beyond what I promised. So let's end up with a question that I always like to throw out. As we know, it's courageous conversations with bold humans. What does courage look like for you? <laughs> I will start. Because it is um what does it look like as being it feels like being scared? 
Um, right. Yeah, it feels uh, viscerally um, like yeah. fear and nerves and um, sweaty. So it could be stepping out onto a stage or yeah. off that plane into a, a whatever, but it's that like absolutely saying yeah. So I think it feels yuck. Right. What does it look like? Um, I don't know, it just looks like um, uh, oh, well, embracing the unknown, really, just mm. going for it. Mm. Um, That's a good one. How will it look on my face? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a good one. That's a good response. How about you? Uh, I think it's, for me, it, it always sort of stems or uh, like kind of revolves around purpose. So I feel mm. like courage for me is doing something that you know needs to be done and it's scary. Like there's another element in there mm. which is just like stepping out because it's the right thing to do. And that's so kind an of example how of I, that would be I'm fucking the advertising industry. No, yeah. uh, you know, just or, yeah. or like knowing that, like you know, like taking on a client when it doesn't hit meet our values. Like for me, right. that would be courageous to go. This is not like we're not we're going to not take on the money because it you know helps with where we're at. So there's a layer right. of that for me that it kind of flows mm. through that question. Mm. Yeah. So you come back to the values and living them, but also making decisions, the hard decisions that might hurt. Yeah, yeah. It's like what's hard, what's the hard thing to do and the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> so you probably run that's really, so really hard at that. Mm, that's yeah. a good one, dude. Mm, I like that. Let's steal that as well. <laughs> Is there yeah. anything we haven't covered? <sighs> Any burning questions that you had? There we go. Look at that. Covered a lot of ground. You did. <laughs> And for a Monday afternoon, <laughs> my yeah. God, we did yeah, well. that was great. It was great. And to you chat. were like, we, "We're not going to speak for that long." Yeah, I was actually surprised when we said we ran out of time. Oh, yeah, well, it's an hour and a half, just over, I think. What? So thank you both. And you didn't even eat the chocolate, so no. you're going to have to have a no. piece now. It's Halloween. <laughs> it's Halloween. Going to go home and have chocolate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to hand it, hand it the goods. Point. Yeah. Good luck with yeah. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. That was great. It was great yeah. to chat. Yeah. That was Creative Welly episode 39. Thank you for giving us your attention. Check us out at creativewelly.com for all the ways to subscribe. Check out the video version because it's a, really a unique video podcast, but you're very welcome to listen to this audio version. Of course you are. Again, thanks to John O'Tucker, the video producer for this wonderful podcast over at Empire Films. Thanks also to David, Flash Dog Studio, for allowing us to utilize his space. And thanks to you, again, for lending us your ears and focus and attentions. Please keep having courageous conversations with bold humans, and we'll be back in the new year. Take care of yourselves.